Welcome to the Resentment-Free Relationships Podcast. I'm Becky Smith, your certified life coach, here to help you go from exhausted and resentful to feeling connected and confident in your relationships. Are you ready? Let's go. I just want to remind you this week, I have my Find Your Calm Yoga and Life Coaching Workshop coming up this Saturday, September 30th from 4 to 6 p.m. So if you have ever struggled with anxiety and you would like some more tools to help you manage it, then this is for you. So sign up at yogaascension.com go to the menu click events and workshops and sign up and i will see you then before i dive into our topic today i just wanted to give a little caveat that the sound is going to be a little off in places i was recording it on vacation and apparently it's been a little while since i've recorded in person so there's going to be a little muffling but the content was so great that I didn't want you to miss out on that and also I didn't want perfect to be the enemy of the good I knew that B minus work is good enough and you're still going to get all the great content so listen up and enjoy this episode Hello and welcome to the podcast. This week I'm recording from beautiful Maui. I'm here on a vacation with my husband and with friends we have, a couple that we've known for lots of years. And part of that couple, the wife, her name is Tara Schmidt. Tara is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She's so fun to talk to, such a great person. She has a lot of knowledge and advice about relationships. So I just wanted to pick her brain while we are on this vacation. So I've asked her to come on the podcast today. So Tara, can you introduce yourself to my audience? Yes, hello everyone. I'm from Colorado. We moved there in 2004, so we've been there for quite a few years. We have six children. We've got lots of land there, so it's fun. We've got our horses and cows, and I actually met my husband on a ranch in Wyoming. We were the wranglers on a guest ranch, so we're able to keep that lifestyle in Colorado, and it's been fun. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I have my own practice, group practice, with quite a few therapists that work for me, and I work in schools and and do a lot with school districts and different counties and working with foster kids, do a lot of play therapy and marriage counseling and trauma work. I've been out to your ranch. Would you call it a ranch? Yes, call it a ranch. (laughs) I wish it was bigger. So today, Tara, I wanted to ask you a few questions about your work and what you do with helping people have better relationships because this is the resentment-free relationship podcast. So I feel like you have a lot of wisdom and knowledge to share with us today. So over the years that you've been a a therapist, what have you learned or what is some of your best advice or tips that you have for relationships and can be any relationships? Okay, I'll start with one being 
presence. I think it's really important for people to be able to be present. A lot of times we have trauma that occurs in our lives, and I think of trauma as the Greek word of wounding. Yeah, it's good to define that because we hear that word a lot lately. There's a lot of buzzword about it. So you would say trauma is a wound. Yes. We go through life and we don't always realize the woundings. Okay. So in relationship, oftentimes things that affect other people are things that are part of their. So a lot of times when people have relational issues or differences, it oftentimes has to do with personal. Yeah. And I think in relationship, it's really easy to get offended by the actions of our partner. I want to just start with saying that these things are important, not just husband and wife or partners, but also brothers and sisters or friends or you and your mother or speaking relationally about any relationship that any. So I think in relationship, it's very important to be able to stay present. Sometimes things are said that rub on our woundings, and there's a really big response that we oftentimes the other person is aware of what that is or thinking of it, and so they react to a response, a belief that I'm not in. Or for myself, I remember my father was pretty intellectual and really prided himself on his intelligence and we would often to measure up to that. So I have a wounding myself that may be smart. You know, so even though all the evidence proves that I am, I still have this belief from being a young child and asking a question and he that is a sensitive thing to me or was, still comes up at times. So as simple as that, yeah, just thinking smart or the world is against me or if it's bad, it's going to happen to me. Yeah. So I think we form these beliefs that aren't necessarily true, but it's the way we view in relationship. Those learnings get touched naturally, not purposefully all the time. We have a big risk we get out of presence in that relationship because we're dealing with our own fight, flight, or freeze response to those. Out of presence. So you mean we're not in what's really happening in the moment, but we're taken back to that wound. Yeah, exactly. I think we all know what presence means. It's like being present in the moment. Yeah. But the key to being present in relationship is understanding when we get triggered and almost being able to slow it down for ourselves dilute it, and then be able to tell our partner or friend or the other person in the relationship what just happened to us. So that takes a lot of self-knowledge mm-hmm. and awareness to mm-hmm. be able to slow it down. So yeah. How do you help people do that? I think just being aware of what those learnings are for ourselves. A big thing that I help people recognize is when they get bothered, Triggered is the word I want to use that sometimes has a bad connotation. Right. I like but, bothered. Yeah. When that <laughs> happens, being able to recognize for ourselves what it is that's happening. Uh, so whenever we feel emotional and we get upset pretty quickly or when we get 
tears in our eyes and feel like we want So it sounds like our emotions are kind of a a signal Mm -hmm. or a barometer to tell us, hey, something's not quite right here. I'm having an overreaction to something that probably doesn't, probably most people don't react this way. And so that tells us that there might be a trauma or a wounding there Mm -hmm. that we might need to pay attention to. Exactly. And I think so often we just keep going and then our our communications escalate our interactions escalate and it becomes this big thing when really if we can learn to just slow it down, recognize what's happening for us, be able to manage that in the moment Mm -hmm. so that it's not impacting the relationship, but just be able to manage ourselves in that. Yeah. And maybe in the moment we fully understand why, but if we can regulate that and come back and Look at it later. Yeah. And I think, too, it's really important to understand that there are, everybody can look at the same thing in very different ways yes. because of our past experience. Yeah. And so I think when we have an understanding that other people have a history beyond us that could be affecting why they're doing what they're doing or saying what they're saying or feeling what they're feeling, it allows us to have more compassion. Yeah. And I feel strongly about that. It makes me emotional because I think of how, let's say, how God views us. And he knows our hearts and understands us so well. Yeah. What an amazing world it would be if we had that same understanding and compassion. And that's what we're so, striving mm-hmm. for. When we have that understanding, it allows us to be more compassionate. There's more compassion for ourselves. Yeah. That's one of the big ones is just to be able to have that presence, because when we're present in a moment, that's where connection is. That's where understanding That's where But when we're in our heads worrying about our own woundings or whatever it may be, we're unable to be present with people if maybe feeling. That's the end goal, is to be able to manage that so we can be in a magical space. Yeah. As a therapist, I remember in graduate school, just watching somebody who had shared a lot with me about past, and then I watched her in being present as a therapist, a lot of those walls came up and certainly felt she had to prove that she wasn't. I saw it in her interactions with others, and that's a really natural thing. We have to be really careful that we can manage our being so present with other people. Experience. Yeah. The second thing that I'm thinking when people ask me about my children, I have children who are very free to be who they are. <laughs> and I often think, why is that? And I worked really hard as a mother to make sure there was safety. Yeah. So safety, not just physical safety, but safety in that anyone could be singing in the bathroom mirror Mm -hmm. and nobody was allowed to make fun of them. So if I ever heard somebody walk in on somebody singing and mock them, they knew that they were going to hear about that. So so I have children now who are just free to be them 100% because they had a lot of safety in the home. Mm -hmm. It's been interesting as I've learned a lot about attachment. That's basically what it is. We want to create secure attachments with the people we're in relationship with. Yeah, speak more about that. 
I think find that fascinating. Secure attachment is just creating an environment where people are free to be themselves and they know that there's going to be a safe place to fall. And we watch young children often attachments spoken of with children in childhood. Yeah. But to understand that it's from birth till when we die, attachment. And so our parents are our primary attachment figures when we're young. When we're old, it's who we spend our lives with. Those then those people become our primary attachment figures. And just like for a child, if they were hurting, if they were sad, if they were hungry, if they were tired, as a parent, ideally we would try to be right there for them to yeah. help them and comfort them. And the same needs to happen when our adults, if our mm-hmm. partner is hurt or needs support in some way, it's important for us to drop things and be present. And then for us, creates that safety. secure, safe place for us. So safety comes in how we communicate with each other. Are we making other people the butt of a joke or talking the way singing? Because yeah. anxious attachment is when you get inconsistent care for people who have attachment figures who are there and then not there and not there. And they don't know what to expect. They're going to be more anxious. I find people with an anxious attachment, it looks different for everybody, but oftentimes they can get cling, wanting to know, You're, you didn't call me, so where are you? What happened? And a million texts to find out where they're at. Yeah with no response from the person. Yeah. It creates that anxious feeling inside. Another thing is to people please or to turn it on yourself, Yeah, which is I did something. They didn't come because I must have said something. So then you tend to take the blame for everything that's happening. Feel overly responsible for everybody's feelings. Right. And you try to fix everything. Try to be perfect on the outside so that people will love you. Everything you do is to get love. Yes, and that can be frustrating when you're when you're feeling those feelings. Yeah. Sometimes we don't understand where that comes from, but when we understand attachment, it's very clear. If you grew up not having somebody who was consistently there, how all of a sudden are you going to feel secure in a relationship with somebody else when your whole life they were in and out of your life? And you developed coping mechanisms. For that. Yes. Yes. And exactly. People pleasing is, in my mind, a coping. And it works until it doesn't work. Exactly. <laughs> it works for the moment. It works for the moment. And it might not work for a period of time. I would say it worked really good for me for about the first 10 or 12 years of my marriage. It worked pretty good. But then, pretty just, good on a surface on level. On a surface level. I didn't realize how much it was hurting me. Yeah. I often help people to stop and think. Short-term peace for long-term pain. Yes. Or short-term pain, long-term peace. That is so true. So in other words, in the moment, if we are just people-pleasing, that appeases it for the moment. moment. But long-term, it creates a lot of suffering. And resentment, which is why that's this podcast. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. So that's anxious attachment. Avoiding attachment is just people are not there emotionally for you. Okay. And so you turn to yourself or to take care of yourself, maybe looking at other people as less than, because oftentimes that person with that sort of attachment becomes very successful. 
I think of my own life. I My parents divorced and they were trying hard to take care of themselves. And I was on my own emotion. Yeah. Oftentimes trying to make sure mom's okay, dad's okay. Dad was a little bit more independent, more removed. But I had to take care of my mom. So then you get in a space where you just rely on yourself because nobody's. And then my husband's, you really don't even need. Oh. Right, and I do, yeah, as a partner to love, but I really don't for my well-being or yeah. physical things or things yeah. like that. I tend to just rely on myself and make it happen. Yeah. So those people can sometimes be unreachable a little because they're more self-sufficient, more closed off. Yes, okay. closed off. And yes. Exactly, so hard to pull into the relationship because they just know what they need to do, and often it is they become successful because of it. But then there's this belief that I really need you, or my way is the yeah. Those can be parts of. So we want to really think about that in our relationships, maybe in our marriages. We want to really make sure that we are getting along and working really hard at that, because that is then in turn going to affect our children. Attachment that they have. If they come home, mom and dad are always upset. That creates a little bit of an anxious attachment because you don't know what you're going to come home to. Is it going to be peaceful or will it be chaotic and loud? And I'm guessing when you say that, you're not saying that they don't model healthy ways of dealing with conflict or anything because that does happen in marriages. You're not saying don't ever have a fight or anything like that but it's you're talking more where it's like tension in all the time because right. it's not resolved and not right. taken care yeah. of properly i don't think it's healthy to not show children conflicts yeah you know, there's nothing i've tried to hide from my kids but i always come back and say do you see how mom and dad work that through? yes i think that's really important right so yes. i don't want people yeah. to get the wrong idea so yeah. you're saying just never fight and right never have no conflict. we're human and yeah. that will happen but the important thing is that we're always communicating to our children it's okay we've got this we're going to handle it yeah and you can have trust in. and so i think it's important as a parent to make sure in how we communicate in yes we are going to have conflict but we need to work really hard and to be how healthy we, in that conflict so that our children can have a safe attachment. Yeah, and just what you said, it's how you right. yes. how you handle it. These things are going to happen. Exactly, and that is just motivation to work even harder on those relationships. But we need to really be aware of how we interact in a marriage or partnership is that turn into effect. Yeah. And we do need to be aware of it. Yeah. And I agree that think. Perfect, and the mom and dad never fight, right, and that, because you know, that's not reality. But that we're working hard, and we work through it, and there's a closeness. Yeah. So that safety, I think, is really important. That ability to give each other freedom to be fully ourselves. That's a huge one, right? That we're not going to be made fun of, or that somebody partner isn't going to roll their eyes at us or a parent. Yeah. That when we ask a dumb question or don't know the answer to something it's not going to land on me or just that we do things differently or even just like in the parenting relationship if one parent seems to be harsher than the other and the other one's softer like letting 
people be who they are in the relationship. I think that's also safety. Yes. Yes, definitely. I think I heard this once and it really stuck with me. What I read was something to the effect of there's so many of us in relationships, but we feel so alone. I hear that day after day in the office. Yes, just we all have a desire to be seen and heard and felt. But I think that safety and holding that space for each other and allowing us to ask questions or say something that maybe is, but to know it's going to let us safe place allows freedom to develop. So I think it's important for us to be able to bring hard things to one and be able to talk about it and know that there will be an effective communication around which leads to my next thing that I think is really important. This is probably the most important point. Okay. Because I think so often we don't feel seen or felt in a way that we do that is through listening to one another. A lot of people come into marriage counseling saying, I want to learn how to communicate better, mm. which is important. I yeah. think all of this pertains. We have to be present. We have to manage our own woundings and know how to sit in that magical space with one another where we can connect. We need to have safety in relationships. We understand that there are unmet needs that we all have that are going to create behaviors that maybe are yelling, screaming, leaving, shutting down. So whenever somebody is talking about hard things, it is so key to be able to create safety around to allow them to say, hey, this is what I'm feeling about this, and to have a space for them to share that without instant defensiveness or cross Okay, million dollar question. How do you do? There's a technique called speaker-listener technique that probably a lot of people have heard about. Okay. I remember learning about this in undergraduate school years and years ago. I didn't fully understand it. But now being married for 26 years, I understand the power of that technique. But basically, the point is the power of listening to one another. So when my kids get in conflict, I try to just have them sit down with each other and work it out. And there's we use that speaker-listener technique where one person says what they're feeling. And I always tell the other person, your job is to make sure that you understand what it's like to be in their shoes. So this isn't your time to get defensive or explain why you did what you did. Just stop everything for a minute and be able to feel what somebody else is feeling. That's really being in their shoes. Empathy that takes something to see it from the other person's point of view. So you tell them your only job right now is to see it from their eyes or their point of view. Oftentimes, what happens in relationships is, let's look at it as you're sitting on an island and your partner is sitting. It's so hard for one person to stop telling their story and what's happening on their island and actually go over to the other person and say, help me understand how the roads work and the traveling and the communication and what's happening over here. Nobody wants somebody to come to their island and tell them how to run things. But to really try to understand why things are the way they are. And so it's not that you're losing yourself as you listen to somebody else. It's that you're suspending your story for 
You're suspending your story for a minute, forever. Be a few minutes. A few minutes. <laughs> somebody has to take that step to go over to somebody's island and listen first, because that is what's going to allow somebody else to listen. And you're not doing it for that intent. But that is the end result, is then they can listen to what's happening. I tell parents, because we are the parents, and it is our job always to take care of the needs of our children first, and not their job to take care of our needs. We have to be the ones to go to their first. first. And when I really got that as a parent, it changed because I think there is a power differential for sure in parent and child relationships where the parent is the adult, they're the authority figure, they're the ones who know, they're the ones who have had experience. And children can hear that, right? Yeah. Let me just Loud tell you how it is. <laughs> they end up being frustrated because they're not heard or listened well, to. Well, we're trying to fix it and we think we're helping them. And I think that is such an important point is that in relationship, it's not our job to fix it. 90% of the time, a problem can be fixed by just listening. I know that's true. But why is it so hard to remember? Right. We often want to go in and fix it and make sure our babies are okay and tell them how to do things. And then they just shut down. And I always look at parenting as we don't want to do for them what they can do for themselves. So we can come in as the old wise knowing people but we're not serving them. So we want to, yes, we may know the answers to things, but we want to present things always as, what are your thoughts on this? What do you think we could do to best handle this? Even in faith, things like that. I don't ever want to come and tell my children to live. Yeah. I want them to take it to God, get their own answers from them, teach them how to find their own answers and now, as my children have home, I don't question who they are or their abilities for a second because I've raised them to answer my beliefs. Why is this a true principle? And so I think it can be so powerful as a parent. I'll give a quick example. We went on a family trip. As parents, we do a lot for our kids for these trips. I didn't get in the water because it was cold in the ocean for the whole first part of the trip, and that's not. So at the end, I'm to get in the ocean before we leave. And we were going to leave the next morning for the airport, and it was night. So in my mind, yeah, I'm going for a jog in the morning on the beach, and I'm going to get in the ocean. And my husband was not very happy about that plan, and I knew it. So I got everything packed the night before. I got up in the morning early so that I was up before anybody was even awake. I needed something from my daughter. So I went into the room where she was sleeping. You can imagine how I was feeling a lot of energy to get yeah. gone and stuff. So I came in and I asked her for this thing I needed. She responded so short with me mm -hmm. and did not want to get up and get it for me. And I was so frustrated and couldn't believe that after everything I had done that she wouldn't just get up and get this thing for me. She got salty with me and frustrated and wasn't the nicest person and we got into a little conflict and oh I was so mad at her. I ended up going on my run and got in the ocean and had this magical time. Got in there so I wouldn't 
feel bad that I didn't do that. And got back, and I remember thinking, I do not want to be by her mm. at all today because I'm so mad that she did that. And we even went grocery shopping for a treat, and I'm like, I don't even want to buy her a treat. I was so upset. Yeah. And then our plane seats were together, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> oh. So we sit down, and she's a little cold towards me. I'm a little cold towards her. Of course, being who I am, I'm like, let's talk about this. And do you understand what you did? And what I needed and she was telling me what she needed so again we were sitting on our own islands telling each other about our islands and why we were upset at the other person and then she made this comment she said we're just not getting anywhere I don't want to even have this conversation and that was my clue as a mom okay I gotta stop and go to her island as hard as it was because I you know had all these reasons why I should be so mad yeah and I just said to her okay, tell me what it was that was so hard about this morning. Mm -hmm. I went to bed late, she said. I was tired. You came in demanding something in the middle of my sleep. I wasn't even awake. And there was all this energy coming at me. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to be able to sleep and not have my sleep interrupted. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, I could see how that would feel Mm -hmm. because you weren't aware of where I was coming from. I came in with a lot of energy, maybe demanding something from you. And without you understanding where I was coming from, that must have been really difficult to wake up to that. Yeah. So I need to be more aware that maybe I'm communicating why I need this thing or the situation I'm in, and that would help you understand better and be able to receive that better is that right yeah so I restated what she was feeling I sat in her shoes I tried to understand what that was like and she instantly calmed down her head was on my shoulder her arm wrapped up with mine because she understood seen and heard and felt yeah and was that story false no it was her perception yeah her experience Mm mm-hmm And once she felt heard in that, she calmed right down. And then it was my chance to share my story. And how we do that in our, how we communicate things determines how people open up. It's not like, now let me tell you where I was coming from. Yeah. And how I was right. Right. It was then, (laughs) do you mind if I share my experience with that? Yeah. It's hard as a parent to give and give for these trips. There's a lot that goes out for this. Yeah. And I didn't feel appreciated in that moment when I just asked you for one thing and to have you respond the way you did. Yeah. Was hurtful to me and it felt like you weren't grateful for what you had been given. Mm-hmm. And then she could take that and hear it and we came together in that moment. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm talking about that we all have stories beyond that relationship that we don't often know about and when we can stop and hear each other then both of us left that experience feeling closer yeah to one another where often we just want to avoid conflict but then you don't grow closer but if you can handle those conversations it really does connect you closer to another I tell people 30% of the time you'll get it right. Okay. 70% you won't. I like that. Those don't are live, numbers I can handle. We don't even <laughs> use the word perfect in our home at all. Right. There's no such thing, right? So it's going to be ugly. 
it just is life and we have to realize we're having a human experience we're not going to do things well all the time but the key is that we repair I heard once the difference between a good parent and a bad parent is a good parent says they're sorry so we won't always get it right but when you're feeling that conflict my first go-to is stop and go to their island okay that's good advice right anyone listening right there (laughs) stop and go to their island and suspend your story it's not losing yourself yeah because always you want to tell your story always Mm -hmm. always and we say a lot in coaching that defense is the first act of war Mm-hmm. So when you get defensive automatically, yes. you're armoring up yes. and you're ready for a battle. Yeah, exactly. So I think if we look at it as attunement, we're trying to attune to the other person. Okay. To take in their story, absorb it, feel it, sit in their shoes. Mm-hmm. There is so much power in saying. So that speaker listener te- technique, I'm listening to what you're saying to understand, to feel it, to attune to you. Yeah. And then I restate what you're saying and then... I think we often don't restate because that feels a little awkward or we don't naturally say, oh, this is what you just said. Yeah, but I think it is important because what you said and what I heard can be two different things. Exactly. And it allows the speaker to really know that the other person gets them. So a lot of times people just say, I understand. Yeah. But what did you understand? State what you understand and not just in a parroting way exactly word for word but I can imagine how hard that must have been to be sleeping so soundly this is your last morning to sleep in before we get home and you have to get back to school and all of that and then to have it interrupted by a very energetic mother who needs something right now yeah I can imagine that would be hard yeah it had nothing to do with your gratitude yeah for the trip it had to do with that moment yeah so I can imagine how hard that was for me to just come in and ask, wake you up with energy and not ease you into it even. But I was in a hurry. I came at you strong. That must have been really hard. I think as parents, especially with teenagers, we often want to assign labels to them like they're disrespectful. Yes, because their behavior comes across that, that way. way to us. That's how we but, see it. But we have to understand, again, those behaviors are a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. If I said to her, you're not grateful, she's going to be like, what? Because yeah. that's not at all, those may be the behaviors I'm seeing, but it's a result of so much more underneath. And so when we can get to that space and really understand each other, oh my goodness, our relationships are so strong. Because we are being honest and we're showing up as our true selves. We're saying what we feel and think, yeah. but it's done in a way that it can be received. And that's okay. In a way that people can actually hear it. Mm-hmm. And so if it comes off strong and mean and cutting and yelling. And, and judgmental. and yeah, yeah. People are going to shut off because yeah. if a bear's coming at you, no matter what they're saying, you're going to fight back. I often tell my husband that I agree with what you're saying, but how you're saying it, everything in me is wanting to fight back. Mm-hmm. So we got to be really careful how we're communicating what we need. Restating, going back to that with my kids when they'd have conflict, I'd have one person listen until the other person felt completely heard. Mm-hmm. And then it would swap. So both people are telling their stories. Both people are being seen and heard and felt. Yeah. And then in the end, 
each person identifies from themselves what they are going to do different next time. And that's important, right? Yes, yes. In relationship, we're always like, it's you if you just did this. But if we really own our own actions in things and look at how could I have done that different, I could have communicated more to my daughter why I needed that thing. So listening is never passive. We're actively being a part of somebody else's story because we love them Mm. and we care for them and we want to know how they're experiencing things. So let's not get into a fight. Let's have a conversation about it. Okay. Let's get curious with one another about what the other person, what their perception is. And curiosity is really key. I find that it is the antidote to judgment. Yes, because then we understand why the yelling is happening or the Mm -hmm. shutting down is happening. Mm -hmm. But often people end up in fights over the yelling and shutting down and swearing or whatever it is we do when we are in that space. So being able to slow it down and bring it down to what it's really about, ooh, relationships can be so rich in that space. So feeling compassion and attuning to one another in that. And then say, do I understand this correctly? Is there anything that I'm missing? Okay. What does it feel like I don't understand? So we're saying, I will listen you to silence. And when you have nothing heard more that to before. say, I will listen you to yeah, silence. I just want to hear and hear until there's nothing more you feel like you need to explain because mm-hmm. I get it. Then yeah. I'll pull my story off the shelf and then I can share. But our intent is really to make sure the other person feels seen and heard and felt. It is so powerful. This conversation was so good. We didn't want to stop. So... Stay tuned for next week to hear the rest of my conversation with Tara. But once again, thank you so much for listening and bye for now. If this episode resonated with you, then I know you'd love a quick one-on-one chat with me where we get to talk privately about your specific issue or concern. And you'll come away with one specific strategy that you can use today to change your life and your relationships. And the best part is it's absolutely free. So click the link in the show notes and sign up today.